Spotlight. I'm Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars, and today I'm here with Susie Yang. Her book, White Ivy, just dropped. It is so hot. Shonda Rhyme already producing it. Susie, I'm so excited for you. I love the book. Tell me, what is White Ivy about? Yeah, so um, White Ivy tells the story of Ivy Lin, a Chinese-American immigrant, and we follow her story from when she's 14 to 27. Um, Ivy falls in love with a boy named Gideon Speyer, who is the son of a state senator. And as adults, uh, Ivy and Gideon reconnect. And the story really follows Ivy as she schemes and manipulates and lies her way into marrying Gideon and kind of getting access to this very wealthy um, patrician New England family. So I absolutely loved your opening line. And I actually read that that's how you started thinking about the book, right? That you had the line first. I just want to read it for all of our listeners. Uh, You wrote, Ivy Lynn was a thief, but you would never know it to look at her. Maybe that was the problem. No one ever suspected. And that made her reckless. So you said you started the book there. So how long did it take you to come up with that brilliant line? And where did you go from there? Yeah, so that first sentence was the first sentence I ever wrote of the draft. And that really became the bedrock for the entire novel. Um, Once I had that first sentence, Kind of the character of Ivy, her appearances, um, the the way that she would um, come off to the world and what she wanted, um, that kind of came to me very quickly. And the plot of the story hasn't changed. Um, it took me a year to write the first draft, and then we sold it to my editor, and then I worked with her through six drafts of it before um, getting the book that you guys are reading today. <laughs> but how long did it take you to come up with that first line? Did it just come to you one night? It really did. I don't know. It's really mysterious, right? I, I think once I thought of the name Ivy, I thought, oh, that's such a cool name. Um, and then I liked the idea of her. I think it was a scene of a girl shoplifting at Kmart. It just like came to me. I thought that's really interesting, um, you know, to kind of be in the head of somebody who's doing that and nobody would suspect her because she looks like a child. And the first sentence came and then, yeah, I took it from there. I love that. And so it really only took you a year to write after that first line. Yeah, uh, to write the first draft. I love the main metaphor of the book that Ivy is a thief, but the only thing she seems to really want is the blonde hair and blue eyes that she can never steal, right? Could you talk about that? Yeah, I think that's part of Gideon's allure to her is that he does represent, um, like, you know, she liked him when she was such a young age. So he's kind of like her idol. I feel like if she had met him as an adult, maybe she would have more you know, objectivity when evaluating him, but because, you know, he always does represent this elusive American dream, you know, and all the the belonging that she felt like she didn't have as a kid. um, I think she brought a lot of that into her adult life. um, And that's why her obsession with Gideon, I think is not something that a normal rational woman uh, would necessarily feel who didn't have Ivy's experiences. At one point you write that uh, Ivy's parents' eyes would light up when she'd say, I wanna be a doctor. And she knew that that was sort of a go-to. And similarly, when she's older, um, she's talking to some of her boyfriend's friends or one in particular, Tom, and she says, oh, I'm going to apply to law school. And again, he's like, oh, okay. But so just those sort of aspirations totally changed the way people look at her suddenly. And I-, I wondered if you could talk about that. Yeah, I think it's like a really American thing. Like, because I live in the UK now, people are always saying, oh, Americans have a lot of aspiration. They're very, we're very aspirational people. Um, And I think it's the optimism in us. It's um, the feeling of you can, you know, be whoever you want. There's really no limitations. Um, Growing up, I definitely 
experience that I think I was six my parents would be like what do you want to be when you grow up and I would say I want to be a doctor I had no idea what it was but I just knew they liked hearing it so I think as a kid Ivy does experience that um, and for the lawyer thing I think it really was just trying to impress these people who she you know Tom and Gideon and his family and you know wanting to to make herself out to be an intelligent ambitious person even though inside I think she's you know quite quite lazy <laughs> so um, yeah it does speak to the idea of the labels you know that people judge each other by and that Ivy understands that and wants to use it to her advantage. So oh, I've read um, different reviews where some people think that Ivy is a likable character some people think that she's not a likable character where do you come down what do you think about that whole debate even? Yeah um, I think that Ivy is probably really unlikable, but one of the more interesting facets of writing this book was to make her sympathetic. You know, I don't think many of us would ever choose what she does or even, you know, can sympathize with her decisions at all. But um, part of me writing her backstory and giving her um, the depth of thought and being able to analyze the situation um, and understand social nuance, I think that's what makes her compelling and also intelligent so that she doesn't come off as, you know, straight up sociopath. <laughs> so hopefully um, by being staying really close to the way that she thinks and evaluates the situation, people can understand where she's coming from, regardless of whether they, you know, agree with her values or not. But do you like that people are even talking about whether or not she's a likable character? That was actually, um, I wouldn't say I thought, oh, I want to write an unlikable character, but I definitely wanted to write an anti-heroine. That was very deliberate. I knew that I wanted to create, you know, a female character who would kind of always toe the line of moral, um, like moral ambiguity. I always knew the ending. So I always knew that it was going to follow the trajectory of um, like a villain in a way, somebody's downfall and, you know, doing things that are worse and worse for themselves. So it's inevitable, I suppose, that a character like that would be, you know, typecast as unlikable, um, especially if she's, you know, a woman. Susie, talk to me about food. A funny anecdote is my friend, um, she read the book and she said, Susie, you are such a foodie <laughs> because I have all these descriptions of these feasts and these meals. And then also mm -hmm. for the latter half of the book when Ivy, you know, essentially gets scurvy. <laughs> so I feel like there's a sense of um, one of the most um, specific compliments on my writing I've gotten is somebody said, your writing is very body aware. And I really love that because I think that's probably how I experience life, right? I'm hungry. <laughs> like, what do I look like today? So I thought that was really interesting. Like you, 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 you learn a lot about yourself um, just by having other people, you know, read your work and tell you what they see in it. You know, this book is really being pushed as a thriller, but I read it so much more as a character study. Did you, mm. how did you think of it? I think when I was writing the book, I didn't, um, I didn't really, I, I don't think I set out to say, okay, this is going to be coming of age. This is going to be thriller. For me, it was just Ivy's story. And I wanted to stay true to that. Um, and that included the more, you know, character study of her childhood and, you know, almost like the coming of age, like formation of her character. But I also knew the events and how it would um, result in the climax and how it would um, resolve in the end. I think people probably have a hard time putting this in one genre. Um, I've heard it being described as, you know, a character study that turns into a psychological thriller. And I think that's kind of apt. <laughs> so yeah, so hopefully it'll be surprising and it'll feel um, more unexpected for readers. Yes, to, definitely um, surprising. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I loved about it. Um, so I read uh, in one interview you gave that you've written several books, but you never actually finished any of them until White Ivy. So what was different? What made you finish this book? Well, wow, writing several books is an exaggeration. I think I wrote a lot of chapter ones. <laughs> I would not call. <laughs> I have, um, 
yeah, ever since I was a kid, I would write, you know, I would, you know, write the title, I would write by Susie, and I would spend, you know, a week writing 10 pages, and then I would get bored of the story. That, you know, happened to me so many times. Um, what changes really, I gave myself the deadline of one year to do it full time. So for me, um, I was running a startup actually before I committed to writing the book. So I thought if I don't, you know, kind of put my back against the wall and force myself um, to do it or to, you know, go back to running my startup, then I would never uh, have that pressure to do so because I feel like my personality is not the type that can get up every morning and write for an hour. Like I wish I was, <laughs> but I just can't do it. Um, so I knew that I had to give that like hard deadline to see if I could do it. And that was really the only difference. I would set word counts for myself. It felt like I had to do or die. <laughs> so let's go into your background a little bit because it is so impressive. Pharmacist, tech entrepreneur, and now novelist. Um, can you talk about how you sort of switched, made those career changes? And is there a theme? I think probably the theme is it all leads me back to writing. I mean, it was my first love in life. I just never thought of it as a career. I always thought I might write if I retire um, or writing would be a hobby. So my friends and family were used to me, you know, obviously being a bookworm, but also seeing me writing my journal every day and writing stories. They just, you know, it, was a, it was a fun hobby. Um, I went to pharmacy school and I got my degree, but I actually never worked as a pharmacist because halfway through my degree, I realized I hated pharmacy. But at the time it was too late. <laughs> To, you know, drop out of school and switch. So I thought I'll just get the degree. Um, and after that, I went to San Francisco when a startup opportunity came up. Um, and that's how I kind of immediately started my career working in tech. And I did that up until writing White Ivy. Um, and that really came about just probably from maturity. I thought, oh, I can't keep on, you know, pushing back a dream because I feel like it's the practical thing to do. So it really was kind of working up the courage <laughs> to, um, to say, oh, I want to be a writer and commit to it. So what kind of advice do you have for other aspiring writers or debut authors? So when I think back on what advice has really helped me, um, I read somewhere some writer um, advice to write the book that only you can write. Um, and for me, I feel like a lot of writers and we struggle with is the idea of is what we're writing meaningful? Is it going to be interesting to anyone other than ourselves? Um, and I think whenever I start to doubt that and to doubt kind of the vision of what I'm working on, I always think, well, no one else can write this story. And if I'm going to try to write, you know, for some audience that I don't even know <laughs> or what I hope they want to read, it will just be bad. So regardless of whether, you know, how it turns out, um, I'm still staying true to, you know, what I have to say in my own voice. And that's really helped me get through, especially writing book two now. <laughs> oh, so what is book two? Tell me about it. Um, it, I mean, it deals with similar themes. It definitely deals with identity. Um, it's, a, it's told through a romantic relationship that also spans um, two years and it takes place between China and the US. So it also deals with the kind of cultural conflicts um, of values. Um, but I would say in a more modern sense because the cultural values in White Ivy is with Ivy and her parents. Whereas um, in my second book, I wanna explore it um, for, pe for people my age and our peers. Can you talk about the title, White Ivy? Oh my gosh, yeah. So actually I had a different working title, but my editor thought that it didn't reflect the book enough. So we went um, back and forth um, and just came up with all these lists. And so White Ivy, I think I came up with it um, because of the inscription in the front of the book, which is a snow goose may not bathe to make itself white. And then I thought the, the name Ivy was really evocative. So we came up with that. Um, and it really speaks to the idea of legitimacy. Um, what are our intrinsic qualities versus the ones that we seek to you know, kind of don ourselves in, um, whereas, because Ivy is somebody who admires people with those intrinsic qualities, like they don't need to try to be something, whereas she has to try, but she wants to be somebody, you know, who is completely at ease and natural, so it's, she's always pining for something she doesn't have, um, so I think it speaks to that. 
Susie, thank you so much for joining me. I loved White Ivy. May you sell many, many copies. Thank you. Thank you for having me.